Wait, did you hear that? There's something out there from Marfa Public Radio. A show about the strange things that happen in everyday life. You're listening to There's Something Out There. I'm Jefferson Yen. When Syria Acosta was a little girl, she used to live by a creek in Marfa. Her father used to go out to the creek sometimes when it was raining to make sure it wouldn't flood the house. And on occasion, he would take Syria or her sisters along with him. When the creek runs here, there's a lot of noise. It's really, it gets really, really high. There's a lot of noise and stuff. But I remember one time we were going down there and I remember seeing, you know, a flowing white gown, a lady with her hair flowing black. And I could hear her and she would always say, where are my babies? You know, where are my babies? What she saw as a girl down at that creek was La Llorona. La Llorona is a mother who had apparently drowned her babies. Her kids used to be unruly, I mean loud, and she just drowned her kids. According to Cydia, after the woman died, she came back as a ghost to haunt the streams and creeks, wailing in regret for her children. The creek used to run quite often, and my parents would always tell us about the Llorona. I've seen shadows, um, I've heard, you know, her cry a lot. You could imagine how terrifying those cries were to her back then, out on the edge of town, looking at a black horizon, hoping the creek wouldn't overrun and flood the house. And the story would continue to haunt her, even after they moved to the edge of town. We moved to Salsipuedes, and Alamito Creek runs through Salsipuedes, and there was times there, too, that I, I actually really did hear La Llorona. And I would hear her wailing. I mean, you, you could hear her so plainly. Of course she was scared by the story and the sounds of the wailing woman. She was, after all, just a kid. But she wasn't the only one who heard this story growing up. Like the creeks and the streams that she haunts. The story of the wailing woman changes depending on the land that you find them in. My name is Gabriela Carvalho. I'm from Ciudad Juarez, Chihuahua, and I'm 24 years old. It's when I was about, I guess, 10 years old. I went on a family trip to Querétaro, and that was the first time I heard about the story because it's supposedly to be a local story from Querétaro. And now they say that she runs like around the houses in downtown Querétaro solving for the loss of her, you know, loved ones. So my aunt told me this story about this revolutionary commissioner or something like that during the Mexican Revolution, and he had a wife and kids. So when he went off to, you know, to the battles and to the war, um, he left the family alone. Either she was pregnant or she just had a little tiny baby, like newborn, and the wife um, went crazy and killed the whole family. She was sort of out of her rage and like disappointment and sadness and loneliness. She drowned it. She drowned the, the babies. And she killed herself when she realized what she'd done to her, to her family. She has to like remain on earth because she's not allowed to rest in peace forever just because of what her did to her family. 
Because this story takes place in an urban city, the mother drowns her children in the bathtub, rather than in a creek like the first version we heard. So what do the stories have in common? To answer that question, I talked to Domino Rene Perez, a professor specializing in Chicano literature at UT Austin, and the author of There Was a Woman, La Llorona from Folklore to Popular Culture. There are many different versions of the story. This lady that lived near the creek liked to party a lot and go out at night. This lady uh, was in love with a Spaniard general. She ended up having three children when he got transferred back to Spain. She ended up killing the children in a lake in Mexico City. Imagine has it that she drowned her kids and she'd be going around crying all, all over. Crying. Um, and... There are so many different versions that one critic has argued that the only thing that the stories have in common is the name La Llorona. You can't even say that there's a woman, there's a child, or there are children, and then there's a body of water, because La Llorona is no longer wandering just by bodies of, of water. You know, you can find her wandering in alleyways or in garbage dumps, and that's one of the things about the story and the lore itself is that it takes on the the features, the geographical features of wherever the people who are telling her story are located. But what is it about this story in particular that makes it so widespread? Why do so many parents tell their kids this story? The answer lies in the different ways that the story is told. Do you remember why she killed her kids in Syria's version? Her kids used to be unruly, I mean, loud stuff, and she just drowned her kids. Well, there may be a reason for that. They instilled this, you know, since we were kids because they wanted us to go to bed. You know, we're a bunch of screaming girls. He had five girls, six with me, but it was like six girls screaming and crying and staying up late. And I, I really do think that's why they instilled this in our head. But what about Gabriella's version? Either she was pregnant or she just had a little tiny baby, like newborn. And the wife um, went crazy. The lesson here isn't about children behaving. For Gabriella, it's a cautionary tale about postpartum depression. It does happen, you know. She's alone. I mean, she's going crazy. And she just went and killed her kids, which happens a lot, actually. So I guess... Don't kill your kids. This story, or La Llorona's story, is a story that can be allegorical. It can be a story that teaches. It becomes a way for the parent to um, extend uh, his or her uh, kind of watchful gaze through the story to protect the child, even when the child is, is, you know, not in his or her his or her sight. So again, I mean, it can become a kind of protection, but it can also be a cautionary tale. It can also also be a form of political, social commentary. And it's not just the Mexican folklore that you hear the story of the wailing woman or something like it. Um, in American Indian culture, especially in the Pacific Northwest, you have a figure called Toad Woman. You also have in German uh, culture uh, a story about a woman called Deweisfrau, uh, the white woman. So it's not exclusive to any one culture. In fact, I would say you could find this figure, um, you know, globally. It seems the story of the wailing woman will continue to survive as long as parents worry about their kids. So even though the wailing woman may be dead, her story is very much alive. 
she's really going strong. I mean, she's got, uh, there was a, a feature film about her that was put out uh, in New Mexico. And I think that says something about the strength of her story. There is something there. There's something in that story that people find relevant, uh, that they find necessary to tell and to keep telling. This episode of There's Something Out There was produced and edited by Jefferson Yen with sound design and score by Zane Brzezinski. The singing you heard was from Crystal Boyd, comes from the track Cry Stall by Lestazi Del Oro. Additional help from Sally Beauvais. Show's producer is James Kim and the executive producer is Tom Michael. You're listening to Marf Public Radio.